Oh, Lord, Doug said, rolling his eyes. Nancy Drew's got a feeling. Don't patronize me, Douglas. I'm not. She shot him a glance, the one he called the look. Okay, I am. Was. I'm sorry. But listen, Mo. by your own accounts, this guy was as close to a saint as we're likely to see on Earth. Who would want to whack him? Good point. If all Charlie had been to Mitchell was the guy who ran the diner, it would have been enough. Charlie's had been as close to a social center as a little town like Mitchell had. Folks started gathering for coffee even before Charlie officially opened at five, and he fed breakfast to just about everybody for miles around. His everything-that-ain't-on-it-is-in-it omelet with a side of potato wreckage was legendary. But Charlie meant much more to Mitchell than good food in a gathering place. He'd been a member of the volunteer fire department since the day he turned 18. He was treasurer of the local co-op, a third-degree mason, treasurer of the Lions, chair of the Fourth of July fireworks show, coordinator of the Firemen's Park cleanup crew, and vice chair of the Messina Cemetery Association. Who would want to kill a man like that, she said aloud. My point exactly. Point well taken. Maybe he keeled over from fatigue. At forty-three, with no history of illness? She saw the pickups and sedans lining both sides of the road ahead and eased off the accelerator, pulling over onto the shoulder to the staccato clatter of pebbles hitting the underside of the car. "'Looks like everybody in town turned out to plant Charlie proper,' Doug said. "'Try not to get carried away with sentimentality.' "'I'll try,' he grinned at her as he unbuckled his seatbelt. "'A precaution he took only when she drove,' she had noticed." They weren't the last ones to arrive. She heard a pickup grind through its downshift and skid to a stop behind them, heard the solid thwack of the door, heard a familiar voice call out, Hey, folks, wait up! Andy Kruger was the owner of Kruger's Hardware and a regular at Charlie's mid-morning round table, where Mitchell's movers and shakers downed endless cups of coffee, chewed over crops, prices, and local politics, and solved the world's problems. Good to see you, Mo. Douglas. Kruger was already sweating freely from his short shuffle to catch up to them, even in the crisp air of a late June morning. You on duty, Mo, or just here as a civilian? A reporter is always a reporter, Andy, Doug said, slapping the short, stocky man on one substantial shoulder. She shot him the look, but it struck only a glancing blow. Is that a fact? A big grin spread over Kruger's broad face, exposing a gap between his two upper front teeth. Even when it's off the record, it's never off the record, Mo said, smiling at the notion of herself as an intrepid investigative reporter. They walked in silence, Mo on the shoulder, Doug to her left on the road, Kruger trailing. Mo could hear his wheezing. He needed to lose fifty pounds, she thought. The cemetery was just ahead sloping up to the left. It might just be the only cemetery in the world that overlooked an amusement park. But then, Mitchell had to be the only town with a population under 2,000 with its own amusement park for the cemetery to overlook. Mourners fanned out twenty deep from Charlie's gravesite. Moe spotted Martha Adamski and her husband Horace, unofficial first couple of Mitchell. Martha was president of the town of Mitchell Council, and as owner-operators of Adamski's Supper Club, they were the most prominent business people in Mitchell. 
Adamski's was a local landmark, sitting three miles west of Mitchell, where the Oshnob River bowed out to form a lake. The Mitchell caffeine irregulars were standing together, in the same order they always sat along the counter at Charlie's. Put a mug of coffee in one hand and one of Charlie's chocolate-slathered donuts in the other, and they would have looked right at home. The members of the communal crossword puzzle club were scattered throughout the crowd, paired off with husbands. Mo realized with a start that she was trying to figure out which one of her neighbors was a murderer. She also realized that she wasn't the only one. A short, thin young man was standing at the edge of the crowd, looking as inconspicuous as a stranger with a video camera at a funeral could look. He had to be a deputy sheriff, Mo figured, taping the funeral to try and pick up anybody who seemed to be out of place. She spotted Dilly Nerdleman and wished she could talk to him. Of all the folks who depended on Charlie Connell, poor old Dilly probably would miss him the most.